is about 3.50 a.m. and I'm in the car heading towards the first pick of the season, which is a little bit exciting. Uh, unfortunately, I live about two hours away from the vineyard to do an ungodly amount of commuting. That was never part of the plan, but that's how things evolved. So, uh, this will be another bit of a vineyard check-in, just some observations about the vintage, about what we're seeing out there. Uh, should have some more interesting episodes coming up. Uh, there's a I think I'm going to break a three-hour seminar that I do for semi-advanced wine consumers in a couple of weeks. I think I'm going to break that up into three episodes, cover some California history and tasting, uh, food pairing issues, um, adding some diversity to the general podcast. I'm hoping as this evolves, I'm going to drag a couple friends kicking and screaming for some group discussions also on things like French versus Italian wine, hopefully a little bit of a wine industry related news as well. Uh, there's definitely a lot of restaurant stuff going on in the Bay Area as well. Um, lots of different areas to cover. It's not necessarily a marketing tool for Prima Materia, uh, just some observations and things I hear from other vineyards. It's about the wine world in general, so we'll get there. But today is the first day of picking, kind of a random day. Uh, we are in the middle of another heat spike. We've gone from having a very slow, low temperature season, which I was very excited about, sort of, in June. I was not excited about all the late rain and all the handwork I was doing in the vineyard to keep canopies clear and open. Uh, it was a lot like 2017, freaking out about mildew pressure. And then all of a sudden, it just sort of snapped hot. Uh, yesterday, Oakland was like 95 degrees. Um, when I left my place this morning, it was 70 degrees in the morning, and it is September 14th. So, interesting weather patterns, for sure. Uh, we're starting picking a few days later than I wanted. There are realities to the labor side of the market. Um, we've been using the same family for about, uh, since before I got there. Uh, some of the composition of the group has changed. But they are finishing up pear harvest right now, which starts before grape. Um, things got sort of bunched up and they are overlapping. So we're going to pick two different lots of rosé. A uh, small lot of Barbera, which was, these were the last vines I planted on the property in 2013. So even though Barbera harvests late for us, these are planted in one of the most difficult areas as far as root growth and maturity for the vines. There's a huge swale of volcanic uh, clay that rises up just below the surface, which really stymies the roots for about 10 to 15 years on these vines. Uh, so even though Barbera is usually a mid-October pick for us, these vines are spindly, there's not that much canopy. We had a few 105 degree days. I spent most of yesterday cutting off sunburn through about a third of the, the, the vineyard that's going to be in the next few days of picking. Um, not a huge amount. I really work hard to keep a lot of leaf shade. Uh, Lake County gets a lot of sunlight. Gets It has these long summers where you're still going to get 
96 degree days on October 10th sometimes. Uh, and we're not doing California fruit bomb style. We get plenty of fruit, but I want leaf shading all through the year, but sometimes it just isn't completely possible. So, doing the best we can, things look good. Uh, interesting physiology this year on the grapes. Uh, you can see the compressed season. So we were running two weeks behind, two months ago. We have a lot of skin softening on the early harvest grapes, still at relatively low bricks. So looking at 13% alcohol on some things, uh, maybe a little higher than that. Uh, Negro Amaro, Dolcetto, uh, Primitivo, uh, Sangiovese, the last couple of days, 95 plus degrees is suddenly looking like, hey, we want to be picked soon instead of like, hey, we're good. We're still at 3.1 pH on the grapes. Um, skins are softening. Berries start to sag a little bit, particularly during the heat of the day. Uh, you start to see some basil leaf yellowing. And all of a sudden, just over the last three days, it looks like fall is coming. So that's a good thing, but it also sort of compresses the season. So today we're going to pick a small lot of Zinfandel slash Primitivo. It's actually Primitivo 03 clone. Uh, from that back block that has ripening trouble. Uh, Primitivo's been showing a lot of nutritional stress that we have not been able to do the work on to uh, amendments, foliar spray, composting. You know, we're, we're, we're 1.4 people in the vineyard um, and not a whole lot of operating capital, so composting is a way, ways off. Uh, these grapes used to go to a pretty big Dry Creek style Zin Red. Um, we don't get those that kind of ripeness anymore. Things shut down. Uh, so that block is going for the regular rosé base. Harvesting the Primitivo slash Zinfandel early. I did a Zinfandel Bianco last year. Low alcohol. Um, I think I harvested 21 bricks very early won't be that early this year by the time we get soak out and all those Zinfandel berries have uh, their differential ripener so there will be green berries, raisins, underripe and regular ripeness berries all within the same cluster. So that means there's a lot of sugar that hangs up in there when you're pressing. We don't necessarily get all that because all we have is a wood basket press but I'm sure we'll see a little bit of a brick spike. But at lower alcohol, less ripeness, gets a really interesting, savory, salty, very foremouth heavy, broad sort of, um, I've tasted some similar Spanish whites, early pick, some of the more modern, uh, not necessarily natural wines, I hate that fucking term, but uh, unusual grape varietals, field blends, can do some really interesting things. And last year I discovered doing the Primitivo early. It doesn't do much for the length, long finish, um, minerally sort of electrical thing. But you can get a lot of built up four palate mouth feel that sort of sets the stage for a savory rosé. That was what we, we did last year. And then kind of filled in the back end with Barbera. We have a block of Barbera that needs Sanye every year. 
got one block of fantastic stuff, no Sanier, uh, great wine. Uh, but this other clone in the back, completely different, even the leaves, it's still Barbera, you can tell, but it's a very, very different clone, acts very differently, different fruit profile, and that needs a good 10% Sanier every year, so I will fill in the back of the rosé with that. Uh, a little bit of Alianico rosé worked really well a few years ago, but I don't necessarily want to sacrifice that, so we'll have to see. Um, Nebbiolo crop looks heavy this year, got good, uh, even with my thinning to one bunch per cane, and pretty good rigorous canopy, it's hanging in there, it's definitely not liking this heat, uh, but it's completely shaded, and I think it's going to go the distance, and might be a good, uh, good little Sanier candidate as well. The other side of that is we're bringing back Sangiovese Bianco. 2017, I did direct press and green, basically, of uh, Romagnolo clone Sangiovese, and I cropped it specifically. I was hoping to make white, calling it Bianco, even though I moved it by hand uh, in tubs, no pumping, direct press. Still picked up a little bit of color, but made a really, really nice Van Gris. Very pale, salmony, uh, great spice, though. Uh, one, it's always interesting to send stuff out for review. One reviewer said it was all prosciutto and melon. I got a lot of pepper spice and a little bit of herbaceous note, which was framed beautifully with the red fruit. This stuff is a tiny bit... Mm, we'll see what the numbers are once it gets pressed. I'm, I'm hoping it's not as... Of course, we didn't pick in a near 100 degree heat spike last year, so... It might be a little lower acid, a little more advanced fruit flavor ripening than hoped. But going to try to bring the Sangiovese Bianco back. It's one of the nice parts about having a few different lots of things lying around. Is you, can, you can construct things differently if you need to. It's going to be at least four different rosé pieces hanging around. Uh, and every year will do a higher acidity, lighter... Uh, more acid-focused rosé, or Van Gris, Bianco, whatever, and then a more full-bodied, um, not quite Cherisuolo style, but a deeper, broader rosé as well. The only white grape we have is Chardonnay, so that's why it leads to a little bit of a dilemma this year. I think I'm going to set some stuff aside. I'm not sure I want to give up the Sangiovese, because I'm such a... I'm... I'm quite a Sangiovese person. Uh, it's probably my favorite grape in the world, so I hate giving up too much of it for different programs, but I think we're going to do a semi-carbonic, lighter red, but I'm thinking maybe Dolcetto and a little bit of Sangiovese blend for that. Um, we're skewed towards heavier, thicker skin grapes, so uh, now that I'm living in a more enlightened uh, consumer-forward area, like East Bay, um, more people ask, hey, where are your light reds, whereas if you just have the tasting room in Lake County, all you get is, hey, what's your biggest, darkest, heaviest red, which is great, it's a nice change of pace, um, but yeah, very different market, that's a whole other part of the podcast we'll get into, uh, I'm also the marketing department, I've learned a lot, and a lot has changed in the wine world over the last 10 years, what doing and thinking in 2009 is not what's happening in progressive areas in 2019. 
better or for worse. I think it's for the better. But a lot to discuss there. Uh, the Barbera we're going to pick, that will be probably, I did a 50-50 whole cluster foot stump and then crushed on top last year. That was a little bit too stem heavy, especially, you know, we, we have a compressed ripening area. Um, if you do direct whole cluster on some of these things, you have very, very green stems. And there is one thought, one school of thought where you just kind of do it. And, you know, if you're afraid going into it of doing 100%, you're going to have VA issues. You're going to have elements you don't like. I, uh, I think whole cluster is the oak of the modern wine world. It's overdone a lot. It can obscure a lot. And it has a very heavy hand. So... I tend to be more of a let's constrain the fruit and just do a tiny bit of structure kind of guy. Uh, so I'm not looking for a whole much, whole lot stem characteristic. I'm also anti-Francophile, so the whole uh, yeah, that's what Frenchies do. Italian tends to be not so much. There are some people doing great work with that. Uh, Sam at Idlewild, um, you know, Forlorn Hope. There are people who do amazing stuff with whole cluster. I'm just not there quite yet in my own adventure, and I don't necessarily feel the interest in doing 100% whole cluster anyway. So, uh, minimal stem for me, but definitely some to constrain fruit, add spice, add background notes. I've also been doing little bits of differential ripening, where we'll... Uh, we're moving stuff with buckets here, man. This is low-tech. Uh, I don't have a way to move crushed fruit that has any stems. I also don't have a conveyor, and we don't have a forklift dumper. Uh, so what I'll often do, and I've been doing it more and more, and I've been pretty happy with it, is if I have to pump to tank, uh, it has to be de-stemmed. And then that gives me the opportunity to actually either pitch back stems, do some drying, I'll often uh, lay stuff out on drying racks that I have, clean it up, make sure that there's no residual bacterial, you know, juice, sugar, uh, dry the stems out in the sun for two, three, four days, uh, sometimes as much as a week, and then I can pitch back or teabag little portions. I've uh, been a couple of times I've done maybe three different fractions of stem, getting some uh, very ripe, brown, you know, brown, highly lignified notes, some green pepper, almost pyrazini notes, and then a little bit in between, two, three, four, five, six days, then take it out. So, I think that can, that can work really well, too. There may be a little bit of extra abrasiveness, you know, our stemmer is, a basically a home winemaker to stemmer, it's not some fancy, ultra-gentle, Thing. So you do get some shear, uh, but if you're just doing this all by taste, you have a lot of control over that, and you can sort of ripen up those excessively green stems, which we'd be seeing in this early harvest Barbera. That's uh, already at full sugar ripeness, but the stems are, you know, three weeks from where somebody who was doing full cluster Syrah would start looking at the lignification and ripeness of the stems. Very different boat. 
but I can get some of that effect going on. Um, we're going to quickly get into Dolcetto. Dolcetto is really showing the effects of the heat like it does every year. Barely at 13% alcohol, berries are slumping, softened. Wanted to get it off a few days ago. We have a few people buying some tonnage also of it that want 24, 25 bricks for high alcohol, full red. So kind of, I don't really want that anymore in the Dolcetto. But uh, it's not like we can get, we can pick a small block three times. We also have to be getting them enough work that it's worth their time to come out for four or five hours get paid so a little bit of bouncing around on that negro amaro also is looking a little more ripe than i would like i'm really fixated on getting the fig note to come through on that wine uh it seems like it sort of uh glycosylates off or it's it's been very hard to capture that um last year we had a really nice very much cured black olive and red fruit thing and no barrel aging on that all tank because I was so fixated on keeping the fig wasn't able to hold the fig note anyway so maybe I just don't worry about it quite as much um, but still has good acidity was hoping to get it a few days ago couldn't get the pickers I'm hoping we can get them tomorrow and that would be tomorrow's pick uh, Chardonnay was the last thing we pruned very much into growing season already so that successfully retarded it a little bit. So normally we would start with that. Right now we still have three to four days. Today should be the last hot day that we go into a cooling slump. But we have 50% chance of rain now. So I know generally, you know, rain, if you have healthy canopies and all that, you're not so worried about it. I don't like all the ethyl acetate and bacterial explosion that happens with rain kind of unnerves me, although it doesn't necessarily make problems, but things with stressed canopies, and we, the best clone of Barbera that we have, the old O2, uh, which was the worst in the California trials, but for us, it's, it's just, it's great, great acid, great spice, very pomegranate fruit, works well with the other one, uh, that is very bunch rot prone. And because of the 105 degree days, we have some defoliation happening, which means that we don't have the leaf surface area to sort of protect and shield it from the rain. And it is still at least, it's probably about three weeks away. So concerned about rain for sure. I'm hoping we see some change in the forecast, but starting to think about where the risk factors are. Um, you know, if it was Pinot, I'd pull it before the rain came. We also have some Petite Syrah. Uh, gonna be checking that out tonight before I run back to grab a few hours of sleep. May have to break that in too. That just doesn't deal with rain or post-rain humidity very well. Very tight bunches. Uh, some of the Elianico is similar. Very, their clone O2, I think it's an old Tarazi clone, has very tight bunches seems to kind of air out okay, but uh, makes me nervous, especially as far as, you know, crushing with no sulfur, that can change all of that. Um, what else? Bottled uh, all of our 27 Sangiovese last week in preparation, so that's tucked away. Have a little gap here.
here on bottling. Uh, 2018's in barrel. 2018, uh, interesting year. I won't even get into the fact that we are looking at uh, the evolving smoke issues. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm testing and waiting. Uh, checked out a few things. Did a group blind test with some pretty good taster friends of mine, guys in retail. I had even blinded a couple reps on the wines. Uh, only two were found to have the possibility, and it's a very slight possibility, none of us really definitively could say, uh, cultivars that have what could be a hint of smoke. I've tested a few things and went ahead and bottled two things that are exactly at threshold, which is really not bad. Um, we'll see how they pull through. Uh, gotta remember, I three and a half weeks in smoke last year, pretty much all of August, so very unnerving. Uh, there's the possibility of back blending and going non-vintage to sort of dilute the smoke effect. Should have some efficacy, although it's not linear. We know smoke is very wily. Um, but the 2018 season without the smoke issue, uh, a really interesting year. Super hot kind of the reverse of this year, super hot early, fire started August 5th, still 100 degree days, 97 warm nights, and then all of a sudden it flipped, like second week of August, suddenly cool for the rest of the year, the opposite of this year. Uh, what I see in those wines is higher acidity, harder tannin, I shouldn't say harder tannin, but a different tannin evolution. They are evolving much more slowly. You've got stuff in barrel that feels like it's only been in barrel for five months and we're at a year now. Knew that during the time, more angular tannin, much more, uh, like on the San Giovese, um, very granular structure, fine grain, but very edgy. Uh, more malic acid last year, so the the malolactic fermentation curves and effects are a little bit different. So 2018 definitely showing a different vintage to me when every time I taste through them I've got to really sort of like adjust where I'm at compared to 17 and what I'm seeing in 19. Uh, and these need more barrel time because of that. The structure is there. I keep, I've got, <laughs> I know so many of these younger winemakers who are already bottled and already selling 2018s, and I'm just like, what the fuck? My stuff is undrinkable for the next year. Or I mean people that, you know, I make structured red, so it's different than semi-carbonic glue style. But, man, yeah. 2018 vintage at altitude has huge potential as far as, as, far as structured serious reds go. And alcohols are a little bit lower, too, so really really want to see these shape up but also a year in I'm kind of like come on man let's start getting some tannin shift here I am doing some leaves stirring I have some hunches on the smoke taint thing so no sulfur for the first year and some things still haven't had any SO2 in barrel um, trying to get that deep uh, what's it called uh, bisphenol diphenolic cascade as built as possible hoping uh, a la Clark Smith that we can 
get a little more, not absorbing, but sort of in training of any little phenolic bits and smoke stuff anchored into the structure of the wine, so it kind of backfills itself in. That may be more on a prayer than on science, but but still hoping. Uh, so yeah, I've had a little bit of lees stirring. Um, yeah, it's a work in progress. We're very short on barrels for this season, so I'm going to be having to go to tanks for some of this stuff to make barrels open. Uh, Grape Market is also in an interesting place. Um, now that I have a distributor, instead of trying to hawk Negro Amaro and Alianico all year long, I could potentially get some really good Cabernet Cab Franc at $1,000 a ton. So actually looking at that possibility for the first time as well. I want to make sure the distributor is happy and that I'm able to get into places that I might not otherwise get into. More mainstream stuff, places like Sacramento, San Diego, uh, places that are a little less progressive, a little more traditional. I would love to be able to turn non-adventurous Italian cultivar obscure drinkers onto some cool cab franc and make them curious about bringing materia. So a bunch of juggling of stuff going on. Uh, I was supposed to work at the tasting room on Sunday. This is a wine club release weekend. Went by the tasting room at 9 o'clock last night. I'll have to go back tonight, hopefully, and rebuild food platters on my way home. Um, releasing uh, 2016 Rafosco. Uh, very excited about that split pick on that one. Two weeks apart, one for ripeness, one for acidity, and of the uh, old world high strong mineral granular rubbery reductive notes that wine has been an evolutionary uh, roller coaster of hating it and thinking my god I screwed this up to all of a sudden after two years in barrel and 15 months in bottle it's starting to come around and evolve and the floral stuff is back and very excited about that to see how get some public uh, public feedback on it because it's so it's not a mainstream grape and this one I really tried to push varietal identity as far as possible and I hated it for the last year and sometimes you know this is all learning curve now it feels like it came together uh, 2017 I couldn't treat it the same way couldn't do two split picks plus the crop was too small so it's all one and it's back to being sort of heavy bodied monolith and I'm way less happy with it now they've got a more charming option so I think that's about it for the check-in this morning uh, I'm gonna load up on coffee some more hope the pickers are there we're gonna be doing one thing about rosé and the wood basket press is pressing whites and rosé direct crushed fruit into a wood basket press is an ugly messy slimy sugary uh, it explodes in your face it squirts out of the press it's the most I hate it man I just hate it it's gonna be 95 plus today and you've got 25% sugar juice squirting out into your glasses and every crack in the press when the pressure goes up squirts shit out. I'm just, I'm really dreading it. So cleanup's going to take all day. Uh, but at least kind of ripping the band-aid off and getting a lot of this done quickly. So that part's good. Check in tomorrow. Uh, 
definitely excited to get the next couple of reds in and be doing some interesting work with that. So please stay tuned and thanks so much for listening. Uh, keep you posted. Take care.